Welcome to Forward Filmmaker, a podcast from FilmHub. I'm Max Sanders. You may know me from my podcast, Buzz in the Tower, where I discuss my favorite 80s films. But this one is different. The film industry is changing, and filmmakers must adapt. On Forward Filmmaker, we'll be talking with directors and producers about the pains and opportunities facing the modern filmmaker. Joining me today is producer, writer, director, Sweta Rai. Sweta is CEO of her LA-based production company, Indo Holly Films. She has three master's degrees and a remarkable passion for filmmaking. She has produced movies starring James Caan and Bo Derek, and she directed the 2020 documentary, A Pandemic, Away from the Motherland, which was shortlisted for an Oscar. From quarantine, Sweater remotely filmed gripping stories of the five frontline healthcare workers, all Indian immigrants. In chronicling these doctors' experiences, she delves into how their families, in the U.S. and in India, dealt with the impossible situation. We'll be talking with her about directing this documentary during and about the global pandemic. This podcast is brought to you by FilmHub, the number one film distribution platform. Join thousands of filmmakers who are keeping their rights and getting paid on time. Submit your film today at filmhub.com and have it streamed on Amazon Prime Video, IMDb TV, Tubi, the Roku Channel, Plex, and dozens more. Sweta, how are you? Hi, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. A Pandemic Away from the Motherland is just a powerful film, and you narrate it about the medical aspects of COVID-19, along with the struggle of these five doctors and how their families are facing this, you know, global pandemic. So I got to ask, what set you out on this story? It was, you know, something that came out of nowhere. All the people were predicting some kind of pandemic at some point in their lives, but nobody was predicting it so soon. So we were not prepared for it. And I was in New York in March 2020, first week, not a good place to be, (laughs) but I was there and I knew that something is happening. So I had those bottles of hand sanitizer. And I think I was one of those last few people who could get it before, you know, there was a shortage. So I was still using hand sanitizer. There were no masks. And um, I was trying to maintain distance. I was reading a lot about it, that there is something happening. It already happened in Wuhan. And within two weeks, there was a lockdown. And now I'm in a lockdown. And in New York, I live in LA. So I was stuck in New York. And then it just hit me that my family was worried there in India. And um, I, I started thinking about it. I was like, okay, if my family, even though I'm at home, not going out is so worried. What about the frontline workers, the healthcare workers? What about their families? You know, what about the immigrant, the immigrant healthcare workers, their families back at home, wherever they are, it could be any healthcare, you know, it doesn't have to be Indian, Mexican, anyone whose families are away from uh, them. How would you know, they, what do they think? How do they cope up with what's going on? And that's when I started talking to some doctor friends of mine. And I was like, we we have to tell the story and I have to film it in real time, no matter how difficult it is going to be, because it is, uh, because there is a strict lockdown. 
But I thought that, you know, we are filmmakers and we are also kind of essential workers. We go out, we shoot, you know, we shoot around volcanoes, we shoot around wars. So I think we we are essential workers too. So if somebody has to tell these stories and if I'll also sit at home and wait for, you know, the filming uh, to open, uh, I, I will miss out on this uh, opportunity to to bring the real emotions of these doctors in real time. So that's when I decided that I have to tell the story and I knew what name it would be. So I registered it like on a pandemic away from the motherland. I knew what shape, you know, I'll have to give it. Uh, But few things, of course, we discovered on the way. How did this film come to be piece by piece after that idea came into your head? As filmmakers, we were not allowed in um, all of the hospitals, so we couldn't go and film. And I couldn't go out. Uh, you know, when I came back to LA, I was still we were still under lockdown, and it was it was scary to take a flight. And the hospitals were also not allowing for uh, the camera crew to come and shoot. So that's when I came up with this idea that I have to direct and produce. And of course, I wrote it uh, at home, so I have to shoot it remotely. And that's. Um, how I started uh, shooting it uh, because these doctors are in four different cities of the United States and their families are in four different states and cities of um, India. So now in India, it was again a difficult task because India was also under strict lockdown and the rules were very different in India for filming. So uh, step by step, uh, we started in March 2020 and we were constantly shooting. So as we were shooting with one doctor, we would you know, ask other doctor to film their day-to-day life experiences because I didn't want to miss out on anything. And also they are non-actors. You know, it's their day-to-day life that I have to film uh, their hospital experiences because hospitals were also going through a lot of uh, different type of changes, you know. Um, and th- that's what we tried to film also with one of the doctors, you know, how he enters the hospital and what things have changed in the hospital. So hospitals, were, uh, you know, the things were changing in the hospitals and at home with, you know, them trying to connect with their families. One of the doctors, her family was in the same house, but she still can't be with them because of social distancing and everything. So she would say hi from like, you know, the first floor and say she'd wave hands and things like that, you know. So it was it was difficult. Safety was our like priority. We were like, we have to take care of this. And um, as uh, I was guiding them remotely i had my dp uh so my dp was like in his late 50s so we were always worried we can't send him uh to shoot uh, on location but he was always there um on my whatsapp and zoom calls whatever we were doing and that's how we decided that we will be you know staying with these doctors on online as they are filming and so we can guide them at least you know where to keep the camera and um how how to shoot it also, because they were not filmmakers also, so they right. were not exposed to filming. Yeah, so it was it was difficult, but, you know, we, we tried to uh, educate them about uh, filmmaking and they did a good job. This remote style of filmmaking, do you think this is something you're going to incorporate in filmmaking going forward? And also filmmakers in general, do you think they'll take this tactic? Yeah, they did. In fact, when when I first started it, um, I don't think many people were doing it. And the news, you know, it got picked up very well in the media back then. And suddenly it was covered by a lot of uh, national and international publications. And that's when I, a lot of people, you know, they started coming up. And there was some, uh, you know, uh, there was a TV series which was done remotely. There was a documentary which was done remotely. So people started doing it. And I think it is the new normal because um, I kind of felt comfortable doing it 
uh, although my editor hated it because when he saw the footage from all the possible mediums like iPhone footage, Android footage, the right. horizontal footage, <laughs> and he was like, you know, we, he just sat for days and he was like, what is this? <laughs> so, uh, so that is something, you know, that uh, you have to have an editor who has a big heart to take care of this different kind of footage. And I think it is uh, in my second um, film, which is, uh, which is now in post-production, I'd say at least um, 70% of the film I have done it uh, online again. So I've done it, I've shot it remotely. I started shooting it right after we wrapped uh, the pandemic film. So yes, I've already adapted that technology going forward in my other films. I think it's a good technique uh, to shoot videos uh, um, remotely. I know you picked one of the doctors because he has a specialty in lung transplants we'll talk about later, but how did you pick the other four doctors? So um, other four doctors, I think one of the doctors who has speciality in lung transplant, it was very obvious. And although when I picked him up, we didn't know that he's going to do this miraculous surgery. It just so happened. And I was like, it was meant to be <laughs> because, you know, he ended up discovering something as we were, you know, discussing and as we were shooting with him. So um, the other four doctors, uh, one of the doctors, uh, uh, you know, he came uh, to a friend um, and all four, all five of them are related to, you know, one is a cardiothoracic surgeon, pulmonologist, nephrologist. They are all treating COVID patients. That was a prerequisite, you know, that uh, the doctors who are treating COVID patients are, uh, you know, are exposed to the virus. And um, that was one thing that and uh, the other doctor, Dr. Oma, she actually, um, you know, people thanked her uh, in her community. And that video became viral. And it was um, th that video of her thanking, uh, you know, people who were passing by in the cars. It was a parade in front of her house. That mm -hmm. was the first parade um, ever uh, thanking healthcare workers. And after that, it started uh, like you know, a revolution all across the world. But that was the first parade ever. And, you know, she was covered by like BBC and all the platforms around the world. And um, I saw that video and I was like, we have to, uh, you know, feature her. Unfortunately, one of the doctors that I was about to film with um, in UK, he died of covid uh, complications. Oh man! So it was very unfortunate. And then I decided to find a doctor who is actually going through COVID. We we thought of still filming with her, his family, but they were like too heartbroken, mm -hmm. so we couldn't film. And uh, that's when I found Dr. Pooja, who was actually going through COVID and she contracted COVID and I got to know and I was like, we have to film, you know, what, what it is like, you know, when somebody contracts COVID because, you know, it will come from a doctor. So it's like, you know, the information would be like straight to uh, to the audience that what are the do's and don'ts and how it impacts somebody's family. So that's when I decided to take Dr. Pooja uh, on board and, and she was okay with it. And I was... Um, fine uh, shooting with her and although we didn't know how it is going to turn out but uh, but I I think in the end it worked out well she she recovered and um, you know we, we got to celebrate Mother's Day after her recovery and a lot of people can relate to it like a lot of other healthcare workers and frontline workers can relate to this these stories yeah I thought it was wonderful that you told the story of them and their families and reacting and dealing with everything as well as, you know, what it was like to be on the front line, to be in the hospitals. Was it planned to do an even balance of those two? Or did you want one area to shine through more than the other? I 
kind of knew that, you know, this film will be always about a ray of hope, that there is always hope. I didn't know that now I'm sure like all of us are vaccinated and, you know, um, I just didn't know how it will be or when it will be uh, like, like everybody is getting vaccinated at that time. But I knew that at some point something is going to happen and it will be always about this, uh, you know, message of hope. I wanted to um, discuss about the science of this virus so that it can come directly from, you know, the doctors. At that time, there was so much mis misinformation. There were so many YouTube videos. There's so much, you know, going on that we didn't want to, you know, and we had specific instructions from CDC and, you know, whatever government uh, agencies we were working with, that we have to bring the right message and, you know, the right uh, science about the virus. Um, so I wanted to educate in the beginning. I wanted to show the emotions of the families. And that's when we go to India in the movie. And then, of course, you know, um, India being so different from North to South, you know, I wanted to show, you know, that's why we, we, we show like what it is like for a North Indian parent versus South Indian parent. Like they have different ways of, you know, um, praying for their uh, children. And uh, that's when I decided. And, and there was a lot of, you know, uh, documentaries are like that. I don't think people work on like with scripts. Sometimes they do, but I don't think that you can come up with a great documentary. Uh, when you already have a script, you can never have a script in hand. You can have pointers, you can have questions, you might know that, okay, you have uh, scouted this place and you know how you want to shoot it, but you can never have the the exact direction because it will always come from, from your subjects. Just, I wanted to cheer uh, them up also because, you know, every day was um, too overwhelming for all of them. And um, of course, for me also, because there were moments where um, I broke down because I'd see a doctor crying. Um, and I, of course, I can't cry in front of uh, them. But uh, afterwards, it was like too overwhelming. Were there any points when you felt like it was too mentally taxing that you didn't want to go on? I wouldn't say that I didn't want to go on, but every day was like, you know, especially when you talk to their parents and now their parents are, you know, they're, they're talking about courage and hope. And even though, you know, they know that their children are exposed to the virus more than anybody. And, uh, and I think two of their parents, uh, family members are also doctors mm -hmm. and uh, they would always you know talk about um you know a good message to people that you know they are meant to do this service they'd compare it with the war that if somebody's you know a son or daughter they are they are an army they have to go and fight this war and so it is like a war for their children and they don't care if you know, whatever happens, but at least they will, you know, end up saving so many lives. And I think just with that fact, um, I would always think that, okay, they are at least going every day to work, no matter how many people, like they would tell me like, what's the death toll and how many people died today. or you know? So every day when they would tell me this, the number, and uh, it was it was kind of uh, overwhelming to uh, you know to know about these numbers and uh, what complications people are going through. But then again, as I said, that there is always uh, you know a ray of hope. Uh, there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. So this doctor Ankit Bharat, he ended up doing this um, double lung transplant surgery, which was a big, you know, um, development in uh, medical science. Once he did that surgery, we knew that at least there are, you know, um, methods or there are procedures that can help these patients. 
that uh, with, with, with the COVID complications. And of course, after that, um, there was another doctor, uh, not from the movie, but he ended up doing both double lung and heart transplant surgery um, uh, together on a COVID patient. And after that, Dr. Bharat, uh, recently he did uh, COVID to COVID lung transplant sur- surgery, wherein he replaced the uh, lung um, of a patient with the lung of a co- patient who recovered from COVID. So, you know, all these things, um, uh, I think, um, as I said, that, you know, uh, us as human beings, we always have, we always find ways uh, to come out of uh, these things. And um, But uh, it, from movie uh, point of view, I think uh, it, was, it was important to tell all these moments and their side of the story. Did you know much about the medical field or did you just dive in because of the COVID and because of the documentary? So my background uh, till high school, I had both mathematics and biology. Uh, so that that helped. Uh, and then, of course, we had like these doctors were also like my advisors, like, you know, so they would uh, tell me if anything, you know, that I would want to know. And they'll send me all the um details. We had a lot of data from Johns Hopkins uh, University and we were getting like, you know, they were sharing a lot of information. So uh, so I was going through like, you know, it was educational for me also at the time because whatever new research papers, um, you know, that are, that were being published or some were not even like published, they were being written. I would have access to some information and, you know, I'd go through it. And um, I think everybody got educated, both my um editor and DP, they became uh, like so good at it that they would just talk to me in like medical terms. Mm. Uh, that what happens, <laughs> you know, if somebody has shortage of oxygen or, you know, and they would just uh, so talking about alveoli and I was like, okay, great. Now we are talking in like medical terms. I wanted to show their, uh, you know, happy side too. They, they were crying. Uh, of course, and it was so natural and um, I would let them do it and they were like, uh, do you still want to put it because, you know, and I was like, no, that's fine. At least people should get a real picture of, you know, of what's going on in your lives. But at the same time, I wanted to show what they do uh, apart from work, you know, how are they trying to keep themselves fit and w- what their families uh, are doing. So, so I wanted to uh, bring that uh, aspect of their lives also so that it could be like a day in a physician's life you know uh, how they deal with you know the stress and um, and when they come back home what do they do i think that gave people a glimpse of you know what it is like to be uh, a doctor i mean this is a giant challenge you did it you took on a pandemic do you think you're going to take on other chaotic situations in the world i don't know about another natural calamity but uh, for for pandemic Something about um, this um, new normal shooting style I missed uh, in the beginning. Um, this style of filmmaking was uh, is also taught in some LA film schools now. Really, so art center and design. Yeah. So one of my so my DP actually is also a professor of cinematography in some of the film schools. So he told this style of filmmaking to his students, and a couple of short films last year, the students shot remotely and they showed it to me and I was like this is wonderful it's already you know yeah. it's already people are following this you know style of filmmaking yeah did you find any other yeah. new normal filmmaking techniques doing this that you're going to use on future projects I did actually yeah there are there are a couple of new apps that we we figured that we could use um and then uh, we're going to use it in the future also um 
but I still feel that, you know, there is a lot to be explored. Uh, and I'm sure uh, with uh, more and more people trying to do this style of filmmaking, they should be able to figure it out. Because uh, again, at the end of the day, when you bring that data to your editor, it's like, you know, it's a little difficult because you are working with like non-actors. They're not technically, uh, you know, they're not trained for films. Mm-hmm. So that's the difficult part. But, you know, um, if if your subjects are willing to, you know, um, get educated on this style, then you can always teach them and they can help you record what you want to record in real time. What are you working on right now? Um, so uh, one uh, film that I worked uh, was a documentary that I uh, told you that I shot 70% remotely and then 30% was uh, in person. Uh, like, um, And uh, other film that I'm go- going to do, we are in the pre-production. It's like a, uh, it's a bigger film. Um, it's a mix of Bollywood and Hollywood. <laughs> so Very cool. it will be a little hard with all the dances. <laughs> it will be a little hard to, you know, uh, me directing on a Zoom call to all the dancers. After you filmed this, when and how did you think about how to distribute it and sharing it with the world? So I wanted it to be released, uh, you know, in platforms that I can trust and, you know, um, that will go to the masses. So that was a strategy. I was very late for a lot of film um, festivals because for me at that time, taking it to a film festival uh, versus releasing it was more important because it was more like the message should go out sooner. Uh, But uh, thankfully, we got um, into the Oscars and that was something that we were that's great you know <laughs> yes yeah. we got some recognition <laughs> uh, we got some recognition for what we have done i think just getting there was uh, was a big gift to these doctors and i think all the healthcare was it was not not just these five doctors their uh, their nurses their everybody in their hospital was so attached to the movie mm-hmm. because you would see you know some distant nurse who is standing is also so important uh, for this movie because then she would you know she'd get in touch and be like I love this movie the way you know you. so I, I I like that and and I just didn't want to make it only about these five doctors it was they are just representative of this whole frontline team so it could be anyone so I'm so glad that you got to tell a story that transcended kind of all of healthcare workers there are so many good stories like I keep getting uh like a lot of scripts every day from different parts of the world. And sometimes I feel that there's so much talent, so many underrepresented stories that need to come out. And uh, not necessarily all of those are made. So I think that is something, you know, I wish I could finance uh, most of the good stories. So let's say money is no object. You can handpick any actors. You can tell any story. What would you do? I think my dream project, uh, kind of, I'm already doing. Whatever little I have, I'm still getting to tell that story. The story was very important to me. And again, it has a very emotional message. And I've been pitching that story, you know, I, when I was in school and I would pitch it to the producer and everybody was like, oh, it has to be made into a movie. I was like, okay, then. Uh, so <laughs> then, you know, all the producers, everybody that it has been to, uh, they, they always told me that they want to watch it. So I think uh, that is something that I'm already doing. But um but there is no end to it. I think there will always be, you know, one story or the other. There always uh, something, you know, that will come up after this, which is also which will become a dream project. But for now, that is the one that I'm doing. So, yeah. So did any movies inspire this? Yeah, I think uh, I think I saw this movie, uh, this documentary this year. I think it also won Oscars. And I think that was another reason why I watched it. <laughs> I know, but I watched it because um, I kind of like 
uh, the trailer and I was like, I should go for it. It's called My Octopus Teacher and forget about cinematography and that is like par excellence. Um, every aspect of it, you know, and the thing that I always strive for in my movies is the emotional aspect. It's not about that cinematography and or how it was made. Of course, it's beautiful, but it's about that relationship that breaks your heart, you know. Uh, so I think, yeah, those are the kind of films that it, that uh, inspires me. And um, I feel like, you know, if you are able to bring that emotion out, whether it's a documentary or you can, you know, um, that emotion for me is like so important that I always look for, even if I'm doing narrative, I look for my characters to be, you know, able to portray these emotions. I mean, it's just like, you know, movies that are like more meaningful and more relatable. I think that's what sells, um, you know, a good story will always sell. So Swada, what is the one question you wish I asked you? One question I wish you asked me, um, maybe, or, you know, somebody that I want to work with, you know, maybe my dream actor or something. I think you kind of asked it uh, in a different way, but yeah. So who is the dream actor? I got to know now. <laughs> I think it has to be, you know, if at all uh, in this lifetime, I get to work with Tom Hanks, I think, uh, because I have worked with some of the iconic actors but you know you always have uh, these and you know after my uh, when I was still in the film school I got to intern uh, at Morgan Freeman's company and you know uh, one of the days I'm sitting and I heard that voice that voice and he was behind me no of course you know <laughs> yeah as in he's you are hearing it live now yeah. you know, he's right behind me and you know that's when I felt that you, there are like so many of course, I met him and all. So it's like so many good uh, actors and your dream actors that you would want to work with. Because I feel after working with John and James Khan and uh, Bo, uh, all these um, iconic, uh, like legendary actors, you get to learn so much. Mm -hmm. So it's not just about acting. It's about filmmaking in general. So every day on set is like so informative. Um, is you just get to learn uh, about the craft of filmmaking so much. So Sweta, <laughs> where can people find your film catalog if they want to check you out right now? So my, my film catalog, as in um, all my movies, are on different platforms. Mm -hmm. um, so they can go to IMDb and there's the complete list. Some movies are playing on Amazon Prime. Some movies are playing on um, Hulu, Showtime and like different platforms. So they can uh, just all the information is like on IMDb. Um, all the movies are out there. I just want to say thank you so much. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Finding an audience can be the greatest challenge a filmmaker can face. FilmHub is the answer to the distribution problems of the film community. FilmHub has helped countless directors get their projects onto major streaming services. So if you are finding the distribution side of filmmaking a frustrating battle, let the number one film distribution platform do the heavy lifting for you. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe, rate, and review Ford Filmmaker on whatever podcast platform you're using. The smallest gesture makes a world of difference, and we so appreciate it. On the next episode of Ford Filmmaker, we'll be talking with Brazil-based actor-director Emiliano Rochol. He'll be talking about his secret to creating high-end action movies for a fraction of the normal cost.